Welcome back, everyone, to The Huddle. Uh, I'm your host, Matt Wyman, alongside me, co-host, Brady Shul. How you doing tonight, Brady? Doing good. Excited to talk about some defense here and one night closer to the big night, so I'm ready to go. Definitely. Why don't you just kick us off right away? Uh, we're going to start with D-line move to edge, uh, and then we have linebackers, uh, corners, and safeties we're going to be covering tonight. <clears throat> Do you like me to go first? Do you want to start? Do you line? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Do you line? I was thinking, yeah. Uh, I can go. Do line. Work our way out. All right. So we're going to do a little different than we did um, with yesterday's episode. Um, I'm going to name my top five, say a couple things, and then uh, Matt will say his. So I'm going to start off with the D line here. At number one, I got Christian Barmore out of Alabama. Uh, at number two, I got Levi Anwazarike. Um, at number three, I got Milton Williams out of L.A. Tech. Um, at four, I got Davion Nixon out of Iowa. And rounding out my top five, I got Aleem McNeil. Uh, McNeil coming out of NC State. All right. Um, for my top five, I have uh, Christian Baymore uh, – or. Christian Baymore at the top out of Alabama. I got Davion Mixon out of Iowa at two. I got Levi Oswinoski, Levi from uh, Washington at three. I have Paxton Turner out of Houston at four. And Alan McNeil out of NC State at five. Yeah, so I think obviously the number one D lineman here is, is Barmore out of Alabama. I mean, we saw him in that in the playoffs just take over. I mean, I think he really propelled his draft stock in that game. Um, one guy that I did want to talk about, though, was Milton Williams out of Louisiana Tech. Um, not really your average looking into your D lineman. Uh, pretty tall, really lengthy, uh, but he has really great footwork. He's really strong, um, really strong upper body. He can get a little kind of erratic every now and then, but I think he has potential – um, to come in and, and surprise a lot of people. I really like the way he plays. Maybe move him to the edge in the future, but um, I think he's a pretty fun prospect to keep an eye on. Definitely, yeah. Uh, I didn't have him in my top five, but I do remember the, the name, and I did like watching him. Uh, but, yeah, I agree. Baymore uh, easily the number one here. Uh, definitely asserted himself in the playoffs there. Uh, the other guy that stuck out to me when watching was uh, Davion uh, Davion Nixon out of Iowa. Um, he had really nice hands, uh, plugged up the middle really well, really strong, stout guy in the middle for Iowa. I thought he stuck out more than the rest of this list. Um, and a sleeper I had uh, was Marvin Wilson out of Florida State. Uh, he stuck out to me as a late-round guy that could come in and make an impact right away uh, in, on the D-line. <clears throat> Yeah, one one other oh, one guy I wanted to talk about a little bit uh, more was Levi Anzarike, the kid out of Washington, six three two ninety. Just I one thing that really stuck out to me is how powerful he was, but at the same time how athletic he was. Just his lateral movement was really impressive, and I think he's going to be another guy that's going to be fun to watch at the next level. Definitely, definitely, he's he's a lot of fun to watch as well. Um going to move on to edge then unless you have anything else to go for d-line no i think we covered it pretty good um i think it's actually a potentially deep d-line class but i think it's kind of a, a lot of boomer bust guys so 
it'll be interesting. But I can kick off the edge. Uh, my edge rankings are a little different than most of the ones we're seeing out there, but um, I'll give my reasons here in a bit. So at number one, I got the Georgia edge defender, Aziz Ojolari. Uh, coming in at two, I got the Miami guy, Gregory Rousseau. At three, Oklahoma product, Ronnie Perkins. At number four, I have Carlos Basham Jr., or the cooler nickname, Boogie Basham. And then at number five, I got the guy that everyone seems to be talking about, um, Quiddy Pie, or Pay. Yeah, um, so for me, I got uh, Aziz OG. How do you say his name? Ojolari. Ojolari at one also. I got Witty uh, Pay at two. I have Jalen Phillips out of Miami at three. I have Josiah, Joseph Osaya at four, and Gregory Rousseau rounding up my list at five. Yeah, so like I said, mine's a little different. Um, obviously, we both agree with Ojolari at the top. Um, I mean, he was a freshman captain, great build, great motor. Um, he did have, I guess, limited pass moves, but he didn't really need to be versatile with his pass moves because he just he's, – he's really quick, um, strong kid. So I liked him at number one. Uh, Gregory Rousseau, I had him a little higher than most. Uh, some people are worried about him because he missed last year. Um, he can be a little erratic at times, but he stands at 6'7". Um, great motor, never gives up on the play. Um, in 2019, had a really big year with 15 and a half sacks. Um, but the guy I really wanted to talk about here was Ronnie Perkins. Uh, I got the opportunity to watch quite a few Oklahoma games, and he just stuck out to me on on a defense that has honestly been poor for the last, I mean, number of years, but uh, he is, he's a little undersized. He's a younger guy, but really one of my favorite prospects in this D class. Um, extremely elusive, very quick. Uh, he had 11 and a half sacks over his last 19 games. Uh, I think Ronnie Perkins is going to be a great value pick and, and uh, hopefully, hopefully wears a purple and gold next year. Yeah, it'd definitely be interesting. Uh, yeah. So we both agreed on, you know, Ojulari. I can't say his name, but Ojulari. Ojulari, uh, you said in limited passwords. I thought he looked pretty smooth uh, rushing the passer from what I've seen. Um, and it seemed, seemed like he had really nice, really quick hands, which I liked a lot. Uh, with um, <clears throat> Quiddy Pay, uh, he's the number one guy pretty much everyone's saying right now. Uh, and I did like about how versatile he was, uh, pass rushing inside out, because uh, a lot of guys needed to do that these days in the NFL. Uh, guys like uh, Zadari Smith comes to my mind because I watch him all the time. He's rushing from the inside, he's rushing from the outside. Uh, that's a definite tool that defensive coordinators love to have a guy that can do it all like that. Um, and then Jalen Phillips was an interesting one. He was actually the number one recruit coming out of his class, uh, I believe, in 2017. And then he actually retired uh, due to, I believe, an injury and then he came back and now here he is uh top five edge prospect possibly going in the first round uh the kid's an athlete gets to the quarterback <clears throat> i like his story a lot uh can't help but root for him uh joseph uh osaya out of texas i thought was not the best pass rusher but he was uh really sticking people uh, he was really good support in the run game and that maybe isn't exactly what you're looking for a guy off the edge, but he did just transition to outside or even just transition. I am off on that, but I don't know why I said that. Uh, he's definitely a hard hitter, 
sticks his nose in, in a lot of plays and create creates havoc back there. Yeah, um, I think you were saying how Jalen Phillips has a cool story. Another cool story is Quiddy Pie or Pay, um, born in a refugee camp in Guinea. And I mean, look at him now, super cool. So I know I had him down a little bit. Um, I think I had him down because he only has 19 career starts. His numbers weren't really eye popping. The skill's definitely there. I just think he has a little bit more to learn. Um, but obviously rooting for him, just such a cool story. Definitely, definitely. All right. Uh, you ready to move on to linebacker or do you got anything else for the edge? No, I think that's about it. I guess the only other thing I was going to say is uh, Miami's going to have three edge guys drafted, Roussel Phillips and Quincy Roche, which is just crazy. Um, see how lethal that defense was in the past couple of years. Yeah, to, I was surprised that those, some of those teams couldn't put it together and have a little bit better seasons than they did, but you know, stuff happens. Uh, all right, moving on to linebacker, who you got at your top five? Uh, so coming in at number one, one of my probably my favorite defensive prospects in this class, Micah Parsons uh, out of Penn State. Coming in at number two, I got Jeremiah Owasu Koromoa out of Notre Dame. Uh, coming in at three, I got the athletic Zaven Collins out of uh, Tulsa. And then Dylan Moses out of Alabama at four. And then at number five, I got the Kentucky linebacker, Jameen Davis. Uh, we have some very similar rankings here. I got Parsons at one, uh, Zaven Collins out of Tulsa at two, Jeremiah Awusa Karoma Moa at three. Uh, Dylan Moses out of Alabama, like you said, at four, and uh, Jamin Davis out of Kentucky at five. I think that's uh, pretty interesting that we both have Dylan Moses at four because a lot of the rankings I was looking at, people had him dropped lower. But, yeah. I mean, I feel like I've watched high school tape of Dylan Moses with you. Yeah, I, I, I think I think we did. Yeah, because, I mean, that guy, he was sick coming out of high school, but has a little bit of injury history, but isn't unreal leader um, plays with such great energy just kind of has a nose for the football so I really like Dylan Moses and I think he's in another good value pick definitely yeah I just uh remember watching him a couple years ago I know he uh tore his ACL also tore his meniscus uh so he's had a lot of injuries so that's the big risk with him and but he played this entire last year on a torn meniscus uh, that came out and a lot of people worried about how he played, but that seemed to be a, a legitimate enough reason. But yeah, he's a number one athlete coming out of the 2017 draft class or not draft class, the 2017 recruiting class. And yeah, I, I saw him low on these lists and I was like, that's kind of a joke considering uh, what he has shown that he can is capable of doing. Yeah, definitely a fun player to watch. But I mean, Micah Parsons obviously comes in at one, just his side to side or yeah, side to side ability. Um, he's, he's an off the ball linebacker, which I mean, is kind of the reason he's kind of, I guess, falling down draft boards a little bit. He's still going to be the number one backer drafted, but just a heck of an athlete. But the one guy I wanted to talk about was the Notre Dame kid, Jeremiah Owasu Koromoa. I mean, this dude's film is so fun to watch. He's so explosive. He can cover anyone that you put on him. And his closing speed is insane. It's just like, it's. I was watching one. It was like a little bubble pass to the running back. And Owasu's like 10 yards downfield still. He reads the play and just shoots out of a cannon. It's just so cool to watch. So I'm really excited to see where he goes. He's He's got a lot of talent. 
Yeah, I, I agree with that there, Jeremiah. I also wanted to talk about Zayvon Collins out of Tulsa, uh, 6'4", 250 pounds, absolute ball hawk with four interceptions and two forced fumbles last year, and it looked like he had really good hands. Uh, and one thing I saw on his tape was he's a smart player. Uh, he had got an interception to steal a game, and instead of trying to go score a touchdown, he just got down, uh, something that uh, Green Bay Packers love to do when they don't need to, but when you're supposed to do it, uh, it's definitely a really good sign to see that he's willing to put the team above himself, trying to go score those touchdowns. Um, and then Jamie Davis uh, out of Kentucky, he's a, he's a big body. I think he's got the the size for it and everything. He just looked a little bit uh, uh, less, a little bit hitchy, a little bit less smooth than these other guys, which is why I dropped him down to five. I mean, that's kind of around where people have him, but. He didn't look as smooth as these other guys, uh, but he definitely has the athleticism and body to become a great NFL linebacker. I completely agree uh, with what you're saying on Javeen Davis there. Uh, just, I mean, he has the athleticism, he has the skill, but, I mean, he only had 11 college starts. So I think he's, you know, he's, he's going to be brought into a situation and I don't think it's good to throw him in right away, but just let him learn behind a veteran linebacker because – I mean, like I said, the skills there, he's just got to learn a little bit more about technique and, and making reads. Yeah, and Parsons kind of has that Isaiah Simmons athleticism, which is the pretty yeah, pretty unfindable, uh, except the last two yeah. draft classes, I guess we've had it. <clears throat> yeah. If someone gets – if someone gets well, – you ready to – Moses in round three, I think that's going to be a steal and a half. Yeah, I completely agree. I've been this whole entire time. I've been trying to think of another Bama backer a couple of years ago that fell in the draft boards and now is like a very competent linebacker in the NFL, but I forgot who it was. Oh, I I'll think of it. Yeah, I feel like I'll American. think of it. All right, moving on to cornerbacks. Uh, Unless you have some yeah, more we'll, linebackers. Uh, kick it off. Yeah, go ahead. No, I think that's about it. I think it's actually a pretty intriguing linebacker class. So. Uh, coming in at number one, I got Patrick Sertain Jr. out of Alabama. Uh, number two, I got J.C. Horn. Number three, Caleb Farley out of VTech. Uh, then I got Greg Newsom the second. Um, and then at number five, I have Mr. Asante Samuel Jr. Most of you probably remember his dad, but now it's his turn. All right, yeah, I got uh, Caleb Farley coming in at one. Uh, got Patrick Sertain coming in at two, Greg Newsom from Northwestern coming at three, JC Horn coming in at four, and Asante Samuel Jumar coming in at five. So we got the same five guys, just a little bit different of an order. Yeah, so honestly, in my eyes, there's no discrepancy of who the number one cornerback is. Like Patrick Sertain Jr. is so good. His instincts are great. He's able to turn those hips so well. Um is a really lengthy guy has 38 consecutive starts at Alabama. Um, he's just really in control of himself. He's really confident, which is huge for a corner. I just love watching this kid. He's, he's a great player. Oh uh, yeah. I, I mean, I agree with the, to an extent. I agree. He's the number one, obviously, but I think he's the most pro ready out of all these guys uh, by a large margin. Um, but I think Caleb Farley has the, the upside to be the best player out of this cornerback class, and I think he will be. Uh, he looked a lot more uh, – I don't say that Sertain looked uncomfortable out there, but I think uh, Farley looked very comfortable when he was playing. I think his, the biggest knock on him was he didn't play this last year. 
Um, and he just had recent back surgery. So that's, that's always a red flag, but watching Caleb Farley's film, he's got a nose for the ball. Uh, he's competitor, uh, just sticks like glue to these receivers. Uh, I just thought he looked, uh, slightly edged Patrick Sertain for the number one spot on here. And I think this is a really good, uh, cornerback class. Cause I really like Greg Newsome. Uh, as well out of Northwestern. I like wasn't expecting much when I turned on his film, but he really popped off the tape at me. <clears throat> and maybe even maybe think about him more in that upper group with Farley and uh, Sertan than lower, in the lower group, I guess. <clears throat> yeah, I'm a two two reactions to what you're saying there. I, I disagree with Farley being better than Sertain even in the long run. I just think Sertain's ready to go and he has the confidence that you just can't really get out of a college corner. I did like Farley. There's nothing that I, you know, not any knocks against him. I just have gotten the opportunity to watch Sertain quite a bit, and he just always really stuck out to me. So that'll definitely be interesting to see who turns out to be the best cornerback in this draft. But I love what you said about Greg Newsom. I literally turned on his film, and I'm like, all right, like not really expecting much here. But the dude stays attached to the hip and through the entire route. Uh, really light on his feet, showed great production. Um, and he's still very young. Like, he's like 20 and a half right now, yeah. which is just crazy to me, which which means there's a lot of room to grow, um, opportunity to be in the league for a while. But he's he was actually really fun to watch and not what I was expecting. So that was that was cool to see, and we'll see where he goes, see if some some teams uh, see the same thing that we did. Definitely. I think I think J.C. Horn is the best tackler out of these guys. Uh, from at least from what I watched, I don't know if you agree with that or not. Yeah, I agree. I think JC Horn was a good tackler, but the one thing that he didn't do is his uh turnover production was pretty limited, only two career interceptions. But like you said, great tackler, uh, good size, and really uses that size to his advantage. So, um, yeah, not, nothing really against him. I think he's a polished young kid, but yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll see how it goes. Definitely, definitely. All right, uh, got anything else on those guys, or should we move on to the this amazing safety class? <laughs> uh, I did want to say one more thing. I think that a late round, like day three guy, that might be a good pick um, is Sean Wade, corner out of uh, Ohio State. He's a slot slot cornerback, but he's been there for a while. Has had a lot of experience going against really solid wide receivers that are, uh, you know, in the NFL now or going to be this year. So I think Sean Wade's a guy to keep your eye on. Just I, I really think that with corners, experience is key, um, and he's got a lot of it. Yeah, and I think Sean Wade gets a bit of a bad rep because he's – I think he got toasted a lot in college, but that's also because he's going against, like, the best receivers in college football on a week-to-week basis. Yeah, he's uh, he definitely had – he's definitely a battle-tested guy, that's for sure. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. All right, uh, Brady, who you got at safety? Uh, so coming at number one out of TCU, Trayvon Morig. Uh, number two, Oregon, Javon Holland. Uh, coming in at three, Richie Grant. Uh, four out of Syracuse, Andre Sisco. And then I'm sorry, Hamsa, but I don't know how to say your last name. Hamsa Nasiruddin. Uh, Nasiruddin. Yeah, out of Florida State. Yes, sir. All right, yeah, pretty similar list. Uh, I got Trayvon uh, out of TCU, Trayvon Morig. Mor- Morvig. At one, uh, at two, I also have uh, Javon Holland out of Oregon. 
Uh, I got Andre Cisco out of Syracuse at three. I got Richie Grant out of UCF at four. And I have Jamar Johnson out of Indiana at five. Yeah, I'm actually kind of excited to talk about the safety class because I think there's going to be – I really only think there's going to be one or two safeties that end up turning out, but it's going to be interesting to say who it is. Uh, I think Morig kind of has a good handle on being the number one safety in this class. He plays with a lot of confidence, has great size, just a downhill downhill guy. Um, he can work on his angles a bit. I mean, I think the safety class last year, Morig, I don't think he would have been in the top three personally. Um, but, yeah, a good player. Uh, Javon Holland, uh, his versatility really stuck out to me. He's a really good punt returner, has great ball skills, played wide receiver in high school. Um not like the biggest kid, but is a really aggressive tackler, which is always good to see. Um, but I did really want to talk about two guys here, Richie Grant. Um, I He has great coverage skills, even on the bigger guys. Um, had 10 interceptions and five forced fumbles, so he can turn the ball over. But one thing I really noticed about him is just a fearless player. Like he doesn't care. He's, he's going at it full bore 100%. Doesn't matter who it is, which is always really fun to see. Um, and then I wanted to talk about Hamsa Nasiruddin a little bit. Um, just a really cool story. Um, he tore he, yeah, he tore his ACL in 2019, and even while he was rehabbing that, he made the road trips with the team because he wanted to offer guidance and leadership to the younger guys on the team, which is something you always want to see. Just a leader like that. Um, he he's just got great character. Um, he can come down in the box and play um, probably going to be a special teams guy in, in the NFL. Cause he's got quite a bit of special teams experience um, at the college level, but I mean, also a good tackler once he wraps onto a guy, he's not letting him go. So. Yeah, I definitely agree with a lot of those. Uh, Trevon definitely has a, has a hold on top, but I agree that he, I don't think he would have been, he would have maybe three. I don't think he would have been, who's the third safety last year. Uh, well, there's Xavier McKinney, Grant Delpit, who yep. ended up not playing because he got hurt, and then Antoine Winfield. Yeah, he's he's not he's not with those guys, I don't think. But he's I think he's going to be a good safety and end up playing some good time this year. Uh, the guy I I want to talk about was Jamar Johnson, uh, Indiana, and you remember that Indiana football team? They they were coming together this year. They actually almost beat Ohio State. And that would have probably propelled them towards a playoff appearance if they could have won out and been undefeated beating Ohio State. Uh, he's a really good tackler, uh, just a playmaker all around for that defense. Uh, bringing in like Indiana, you the point spread was like 20 points that game, and they lost by a touchdown. Uh, and they they all they had a shot at going down and winning that game. Uh, but yeah, I really like Jamar Johnson. I think he could be a, a role player on an NFL team. Uh, not definitely not a starter right away, but could could turn out long term. Uh, and Javon Holland out of Oregon, I liked a lot too. I thought he was a ball hawk making plays. I think he has the potential to be a starter eventually, but I don't think he is pro ready right now. But he's definitely got a lot of potential. Yeah, I agree. Like like we've been saying, it's kind of a boomer bust for these kind of guys, and it's gonna be fun to see where they go with like guys like Richie Grant, Javon Holland, and and Jamar Johnson. So definitely a weaker class than last year. I just looked at the rankings I had last year, and I mean, 
like the three guys we named, and then Kyle Duggar, Ashton Davis, Jeremy Chin, who had a great rookie year. Like last year's safety class was actually really it was, deep. It was a really good safety class. You know, this guy yeah. might Trayvon might not be in the top five last year. No, nothing against Trayvon. I mean, he's might go in the first round here, but yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah, nothing, nothing against him. I just think last year was pretty crazy that we got that good of a safety class, but. Overall, I, overall, not even just the safety position. I think it was, it's kind of a weak defensive class this year. Definitely, yeah. I I think this class, uh, I think the wide receiver class is the strength of this class. I think the uh, wide receivers are even better than last year's great wide receiver class, but the defense, I think, is lacking. I think overall the draft is a little less talented than it was last year. Yeah, I agree. And I, it's pretty interesting um, – what we heard today that the 49ers are picking between Mac Jones and Trey Lance. Um, it's kind of weird though. Cause like they gave up so much to trade up to that third spot and they don't know who they're picking. Like that just seems kind of, yeah, odd, it could, it could be just BS and, but yeah, I, I bet that's it. But at the same time, if you're going to, if you're like, cool, take them. I think you could get Mac Jones, like where they were at. I don't know why they had to give up an arm and a leg to trade up to the third spot. Yeah, I agree. The draft Mac Jones. I, I think I think Mac Jones fits in really well with them. And if that's their guy and it works out, you know, good for them. But yeah, for sure. Um, another thing that I wanted to point out was I, I was reading an article that that um the Jets might be toying with people and that honestly they might want to go for fields instead of Zach Wilson, which would just be that would be crazy. That'd be insane. Because- I thought th- I thought they were like locked in. Yeah, I know. That's what I thought, too. But, I mean, when you think about it, they haven't really said anything. People just kind of assumed. Yeah. So, I mean, that would be crazy if that number – I mean, I don't even know where Zach Wilson would go then. Yeah. I think the 49ers would have to take him. I don't – Oh, yeah. Yeah. You think? I just, or some, it, uh, It's so weird because I read that today, and I was like, oh, my God. Gosh, like, I didn't even think of that possibility. Yeah, me. I mean, I think that's a debate that needs to be had, but I thought it was kind of done. Um, I saw something today reading that I was like, this is kind of some guy was saying that Jordan Love was a better prospect than Justin Fields. And I was like, that's that's just insane. That's my that's just wrong. I was like, that's kind of they're saying the fields is I like saw consistency. It. it was like bad, but article my my I uncle mean, sent me. Uncle Buckshot. <clears throat> oh yeah, but he's uh, he loves uh, he um, actually ranked Mac Jones number one out of his quarterbacks today. He actually sent me it, but really, yeah, it's I, I mean I mean I, I think mean, I I like Mac, but number one, that's I mean we'll see. I mean really, it's just a it's a guessing game at this point. Definitely. Uh, who do you who do you want the Vikings to take? Um. Man, I wouldn't mind after watching Tevin Jenkins film yesterday. I wouldn't mind trading back in the first round, picking up a second rounder and taking Jenkins like late first round. Um, other than that, I mean, I mean, it's hard because like when we get up, there's going to be some of those top linemen left. There could potentially be a top wide receiver left, which would be so tempting. Yeah, um, it, not can't that we need be, it. it can't be tempting for them. That's the last thing they need. We need a. I mean, we need a third receiver. I mean, yeah, but like, I mean, obviously, 
that's not obviously we don't i know but like it depends on what how you draft are you going to draft for what you need or are you going to draft the best overall because if jamar chase is available at 14 well, he's yes that's he's the like best player no available. Brainer. he might he might be the best player in the draft like well, I'm, that's, I'm i i get saying, what you're saying i get what you're saying i just think that with how these quarterbacks are going and obviously kyle pitts is going to be a top 10 there's going to be a stud who we don't think is going to be there that i think we might have the option to take. Yeah. I don't want I don't want Quiddy Pay from Michigan. I saw rumors we might take him. Um the one good thing that I've been hearing is that we're really like Rashawn Slater. So maybe going with him, but I don't know. It's gonna be interesting. I think Slater would be nice. Uh or they might go with uh Landon. <clears throat> Landon Dickerson? Yeah. I, yeah, I, I saw one scenario where they trade back in the first round and take grab Landon. Landon. I was going to say, because they'd be like reaching a little bit, but I think he would be really nice on their own line. Yeah, I agree. Uh, one thing that I saw today, I saw a mock draft. The Athletic wrote it. Um, guess where they had fields going? What, like 10 or something? To the 30, Patriots? 32 to the box. Are you? T- <laughs> I was like, okay, I'm not, like a re- joke? I'm not reading any more of this. Like, if the, if he falls past 10, the Vikings better trade up and draft him. Yeah, I think if he falls into the lower half of the top 10, I think the Patriots are going to trade up and get him. Yeah, I mean. I would, I would hate my life him. if Belichick yeah. got Justin Fields. Yeah, I mean, that, that would be scary. Who do you uh, want the Packers to take? Obviously, I, I mean, a receiver, I'm assuming. Um, I actually, I, I kind of want Tevin Jenkins now. That's kind of who yeah. I want them to take selfishly. Yeah. And I think they kind of need a tackle. Yeah. Uh, but I would say him, uh, or we go receiver, we go Ronald Moore, Tooney, Bateman, uh, or I would say a corner. Like I heard they've like met with Asante Samuel Jr. like three times. So I think they like him a lot. Or somehow like Newsome falls to them. Uh, I I would hope they would take Newsom if he fell to them, but yeah, that's I'm thinking I'm thinking corner receiver, tackle lineman. Uh, I heard they might go edge another rusher, and I'm like I'm kind of wouldn't be too happy if they picked up another rusher. But we'll I see. really don't think there's that many edge players in this draft that are worthy of a first round draft pick. Yeah, yeah. But I, I mean the thing. That's interesting for the Packers is I think, you know, they need someone to pair with Jair. They need someone to pair with Devante and they need another tackle to pair with Bakhtiari. And so I feel like it's just pretty much on their board. Who is the best player that they like out of those positions that's available? Yeah. Which I mean, really isn't a bad position to be in because at the end of the day, you're going to get one of the guys that you want. Definitely. And they could, I mean, you could say their biggest needs a, a middle linebacker, but I don't know if there's going to be someone uh, that they think is worth taking at that point uh, yeah, besides I mean, Parsons. But I, I don't think Par- – I think Parsons will be top 20. Yeah, Parsons will be gone. But, um, yeah, I mean – I mean, if they really like one of these other guys, they might go linebacker, and I'd be okay with that if they really see something in one of them. But, yeah, I'm, I'm kind of hoping for Tevin or one of those receivers is kind of what I'm feeling. Yeah, definitely uh... – Definitely don't want you guys to do either of that because I, I don't want to face 
Tevin, and I don't <laughs> want our bummy cornerbacks to have to cover a guy like Rashad Bateman. So. Or if uh, what's-his-name gets out of jail. Uh, is he in jail? Or is he, like, is he, like, doing, is he, like, okay? Um, who are we kid from TCU. The corner. Oh, Gladney, yeah. Gladney. He, uh, he turned himself in, and I then knew. he got released on bail. I mean, I I, I think his career is over. Okay. Yeah, that's kind of what the vibe I was getting, but sometimes they keep playing. <clears throat> I mean, I think he will because I mean, I mean, technically guilty until or innocent until proven guilty, because like he hasn't. His court won't be until whenever. Yeah, I mean, so I don't I know guess, if he'd want to play like after turning himself in. I mean. I honestly expected the Vikings to have released him right when it came out because it just the details of it was just it was so sad. Like I wouldn't want a guy like that on my team, and it sucks because you know, like last year, I talked about how much I loved Gladney going in, and then I was so pumped when we drafted him, and he just got, got continuously year. better over the course of the years. So, I mean, it is what it is, but looks like the Vikings might be going for another corner in this draft, which. Not something we were expecting, but yeah, it should be fun. I'm super excited. It starts Thursday, right? Yep, Thursday night. Can't wait. I'm so pumped. (laughs) All right. Well, thank you everyone for listening. Uh, well, enjoy the draft, everyone. Have a nice night. Skull.